BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey guys, guess what? Ben can't read his handwriting. I think we're going to have to, I think you're right. D uh, suggested I type these. Uh, what the heck, you know? You can't live with them. You can't live without them. This. Oh, thank you, D. Here's your headphones. Oh, yeah. They're called cans. Your Ben Jarofsky Show for Wednesday, June 10th is moments away. But before we do this, let's thank the following unions for jumping on board and sponsoring this humble, fantastic little program from the attic. Unions like the International Association of Machinists and Aerospace Workers, Local 126 and District 8. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 9, are sponsors, as well as the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150. Thanks, unions. And, of course, today's Ben Jarofsky Show is brought to you by our dear, dear friends at the Chicago Federation of Labor. All right, let me look on the live stream chat. Okay, no song of the day. So, Ben, you get to pick your own. Well, I was thinking of this song because I'm just sending out a lot of love today so it's good vibrations by the beach boys i'm not a fan of the beach boys but i do like this song good 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 vibrations now here's a little here's the uh, cello now dennis you and i coming together wait that sounds like that donald's it sounds like the johnny carson i've moved from good vibrations into the johnny carson show and here's johnny so that's the song of the day. Wow, that was a contender for the worst one yet. Good, There's good. noises involved in that. Good I don't even know if there was singing in that. Well, when has the like singing ever had anything to do with a opening song of the day? Please keep listening. The Ben Jarofsky Show starts now. <laughs> It is Wednesday, June 10th, and live from Ben's Attic, this is the Ben Jarofsky Show. Hey, six feet. Today on the program, legendary Chicago journalist, Monroe Anderson. And now your host, he's picking up good vibrations? Chicago Reader columnist Ben Jarofsky. Hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this Georgia Justice Wednesday. And here's why. Big election day yesterday in the state of Georgia. It was a presidential primary and a senatorial primary. And guess what? They had a total meltdown, D. That's correct. <laughs> oh, yes. Thank you, uh, Robert Mueller. Yes, indeed. I've been reading about it all day and reading all the little tweets coming out of Georgia and reading the newspaper articles, long lines, three-hour waits, machines aren't working, not enough election judges, voters getting frustrated, some voters walking away without voting, just going home, giving up. At which point I must ask the essential question, who benefits from this electoral dysfunction? Republicans or Democrats. Now, I know folks were not supposed to be partisan in these things, but let's be, let's be real, okay? Let's be real, everybody. Someone benefits when the system melts down and someone is at a disadvantage. So let's ask that question. 
And the answer in this particular case is, well, it's kind of a draw. Neither party definitively uh, is the beneficiary of yesterday's utter meltdown because yesterday was a primary. So it's not like a Democrat was versus a Republican. But if the trend continues, this will be a huge advantage for the Republicans. When thinking in November, this will be a huge advantage for the Republicans. And let me just point this out. The officials in charge of all Georgia's election apparatus are Republicans. They are of the MAGA hat wearing variety. I guess all Republicans are of the MAGA hat wearing variety these days, except for perhaps Mitt Romney and maybe Lisa Murkowski of Alaska. And as we all know, Republicans, MAGA hat wearing Republicans as well, are all about winning. When it comes to elections, Republicans play to win. They're not like lakefront liberals here in the city of Chicago and Democrats in Chicago. Oh, Ben, can't you be nice? Oh, say something nice about Republicans. Oh, Ben, please be nice. Chicago liberals, here I am on a tangent, ripping Chicago liberals, are the only, what, political operatives in the country who want to dismantle a system in their state that gives their party the advantage. Oh, let's have fair maps. Fair maps? Don't get me started, D. But it's unbelievable. Don't get him started. (laughs) It's unbelievable. Only Chicago liberal Democrats are good. Ben, we should really be fair. He started. Every Republican in the country is like gouging out eyeballs of Democrats to get the advantage. But in Chicago, liberals are like, oh, Ben, come on. Fair maps. Come on, Ben. Play fair. Anyway, where is I? Oh, yes. Um, the, uh, The Georgia Republicans. Here's the deal, folks. Um... This is a huge showdown state, and the Republicans know that. Uh, And uh, why is it a showdown state? Well, for one, in November, Georgia could swing from Republican on the electoral uh, map to Democrat. It's been sort of heading in that direction a bit over the last few years. They now call it, what, a purple state? Is that right? It was a red state, definitively red, but now it's kind of like purple. So it may go uh, Democrat. And as you recall, in 2018, Stacey Abrams, the Democrat, ran uh, against Brian Kemp, the Republican. And Stacey Abrams was neck and neck with Brian Kemp. He prevailed. But again, a lot of that had to do with these mm, issues, to put it mildly. Now, so that's the really nice, euphemistic, north, uh, north side, democratic, liberal way of saying it issues, you know, like like there's no one, no one trying to play the game to their advantage. Like we're all playing a fair game of checkers or chess. It's just some issues, Ben. Come on. Do you have to be so partisan and things? I, of course, think it was intentional by the Republicans to gain the edge uh, through voter suppression. As a result, Brian Kemp was victorious, uh, and he, uh, the Republicans, maintain control of the electoral process uh, in the state of Georgia. So it's very important for the, uh, the, ele- the presidential election in November, but also it's very important because there are two, count them, two Senate seats that are, uh, will be up in uh, November, and it could come down uh, to... It, the control of the Senate could come down to Georgia. Number two. <laughs> Sorry about that. Was I even doing a list? I don't know. So said there's two. Count them two. So here's the deal about Republicans in Georgia, Republicans in general. They have figured out that the way they can hold on to victory, and it's pretty, pretty obvious that they figured this out, folks, uh, is to suppress the black vote as much as they can. Now, exit polls 
from 2016 say that Donald John Trump got 8% of the black vote. I, of course, do not believe that he got 8% of the black vote. My analysis says he got more like 2% of the black vote uh, and that the 8% figure it shows the flaws and exit poll strategies, but whatever, leave it alone. Let's just say, let's just assume, let's just cut it down the middle, 2 and 8 is 10. Let's say he got 5%. I did how about that math? Dude? Holy cow. How about, <laughs> Who needs you, Biss? <laughs> Get lost. Let's say you got 5% of the black vote. That's pretty abysmal. That means 95% of uh, the black vote went for Hillary Clinton. Now, if that trend holds, and obviously it will, it sure looks like it will hold, that means that it's absolutely important for the Republicans and Donald John Trump to suppress the black vote in order to win November's election. And that is why... What is happening in Georgia, the utter dysfunction, the utter breakdown uh, of the Georgia electoral system is key to the Republican victory. And yesterday, most of the dysfunction, most of the long lines, most of the machines that weren't working, most of the places where people got frustrated were in black areas to which the Republicans say, oh, well, that's just the fault of the local officials. That's funny. They blame it, of course, on the people who are uh, hardest hit by the utter dysfunction. Uh, so that'll be the Republican strategy, clearly, as much as they can to suppress the black vote, not just in just the dysfunction, their inability to conduct an election, but also other ways, like challenging the eligibility of voters, uh, kicking them off the voter rolls. In Milwaukee, we saw what happened uh, in the Wisconsin election, close the number of sites where people can vote. So you reduce the, the options people have, longer lines if you're going to vote on election day. Then you say, OK, we'll go to mail-in ballots. No, fight mail-in ballots every which way you can. Try to kick people off the roll saying they're ineligible, trying to prevent felons, this is the case in Florida, from being able to vote. So everything they can do to keep black people from voting, they're going to do because the future of politics in this country hinges on that. They know that. Republicans know that. Whether Democrats know that, mm, not quite clear. I think Democrats of the liberal persuasion in Illinois, you know, they think the game is fair. They may not realize that I'm hoping more people, more strategists in the Democratic Party understand the stakes that uh, in, in the way the game is being played and how the Republicans are going to be uh, conniving in order to win this uh, election. Now, going back to Georgia, let's talk about those two Senate seats. They're both currently occupied by Republicans. There's uh, Senator David Perdue, who's Republican, and he is running. This is going to get very complicated, folks, so just follow me on this because there's going to be a quiz at the end of this. He's running for another full uh, six-year term, uh, and yesterday's election was to determine who the Democrats would nominate to run against him. Uh, it may be uh, John Ossoff. I don't know if you remember him, D. He ran in a special congressional district race back in 2017 when I first went on the air. Remember that, D? When I first went on the air, we were talking about John Ossoff. Uh, in that race, he he lost. It Well, I forget whose district. I think it was Newt Gingrich's old district. Uh, he was running in a special election. And the, the Republicans prevailed by scaring voters with Nancy Pelosi. What? What, what a, what a, like, how much, like, that's like an ancient time. You know, like, Nancy Pelosi was the most frightening specter the Republicans had to go with. Like, she's a Democrat, she was like a socialist. I don't even know if they used the word socialist, because this was, like, before AOC. Now, of course, they have AOC uh, and uh, the squad. So they use, they have new faces, new villains that they use. I know, because I get the Tea Party letters every day, that they have the radical left, democratic socialists. So Nancy Pelosi is kind of faded. Every now and then they bring her up. But back in 2017, 
They used her to defeat John Ossoff. Uh, so he is uh, one of the candidates that uh, is running. It ran yesterday in the primary. There had been no definitive. There was no winner declared yesterday as of yet. So I don't know if he'll be the candidate. Uh, and then there is a special election to fill the seat once held by uh, Johnny Isaacson. All right. Explain this. Johnny Isaacs has stepped down in 2019. He's a Republican uh, for health reasons. And Brian Kemp appointed Kelly Leffler, uh, a Republican, to replace him. Let's just, just take a moment, folks. Why voting is so important. Brian Kemp is the governor of the state of Georgia. He's a Republican, and he's the governor by virtue of the fact that he defeated Stacey Abrams in 2018. And he defeated Stacey Abrams because they suppressed the black vote. They discouraged black people from voting. They kicked black people off the voting rolls. That's how Republicans play the game. That's how they won the governor's seat uh, in 2018. And that is why Brian Kemp was there to replace Isaacson with uh, Leffler uh, last year. If Just imagine if Stacey Abrams had won that race, she would have appointed a Democrat to fill that seat. So just pointing that out. So Kelly Leffler, she's gotten in trouble uh, for a stock trading scandal. And uh, so she is no shoo-in by any imagination. In fact, uh, perhaps the leading contender that the Republicans have is a man named Doug Collins. No, not the basketball coach. Hey, Doug, The basketball coach? <laughs> No, not the basketball oh. coach. Doug Kino, it always confused me. Wait, there's two Doug Collins? Hmm. Doug Collins, a right-wing uh, congressman. Doug Collins. It's like Tony Bennett. There's two Tony Bennett. That is correct. A singer and a basketball coach. <laughs> yeah. You ever heard that bit of Tony Bennett, uh, the basketball coach, doing as Tony Bennett the singer? Jay Moore, yeah. Do a bit of that. No. <laughs> oh, okay, sorry. I'm not <laughs> I love it when you... I think, I, I think you've actually done that one bit on the air, D. Come on. Don't be shy. Uh, anyway, so Doug Collins uh, is a right-wing congressman. Uh, he was one of Donald Trump's big cheerleaders uh, in the impeachment battle, defending Trump every step of the way. Uh, and he, the way it's working in uh, this election, it's so confusing, there is a special election. It's like a Chicago mayoral-style special election uh, in November. I think there's 20 candidates running. And... Uh, Whoever wins, if anybody gets over 50% of the vote, they're the senator. If nobody gets over 50% of the vote, the top two vote-getters meet off in a, a runoff. It's like a Chicago's mayoral election. And boy, it took me forever to, to educate people in the city of Chicago about our election system. You know, it's kind of funny. On a tangent here, people in the city of Chicago are so used uh, to um, mayors just all-powerful mayors winning in the first round. They didn't realize they had a runoff system. In 2015, Chewy Garcia forced Rahm Emanuel in a runoff system. And I remember that. But Chicagoans are, wait, so confused. Wait a minute. Hold on. We got to do this again? I thought we already voted. Chicagoans, man. You got to love Chicagoans. Not that bright when it comes to mayoral elections. Anyway, so um, here we, uh, we have this uh, situation in Georgia where everybody's running in November, and then there will be a, a, win a winner-take-all primary in January. So just think about this, everybody. January, two months after the presidential election, on the eve of the inauguration of whoever wins, either Joe Biden or Donald Trump, where the, de the voters of Georgia will have a special election to fill uh, the rest of the Johnny Isaacson's term. It could be that the future of the Senate hinges on, uh, on that race. If that's the case, you're going to see 
so much suppression, so much cheating, so much dysfunction on the part of Republican election judges in that state. You're going to see it, folks, because like I always tell you, Democrats play nice and Republicans play to win. We got a great show today, everybody. I'll tell you, someone coming on the show doesn't play nice. Monroe Anderson's oh, on this hey, show. Hey, does he plays mean? Uh, Monroe Anderson, dear friend of mine. I, I discovered this article about Monroe that I wrote where he was referred to. I'm, I, it's kind of a surprise to him. I, uh, I haven't told him what it says, but it was an article. I'm going through my archives, trying to put together a collection of stories for the reader's special issue, uh, where a fundraising F, uh, issue to uh, of my greatest hits. And uh, I found this article that referred to Monroe from like 1986. Then, were you even born in 1986? Yeah, I was born in '83. All right, so you were a baby. I think you were at this. It, it had a, it was a meeting at a bookstore, and I recall you were in the back going cuckoo. That was yeah. you. Yeah, it was you, young Dennis. Uh, and uh, so Monroe Anderson. Oh, it's it, nice of you to remember that. Yeah, <laughs> I think you were uh, wearing a Harold Washington T-shirt, uh, as I recall. And uh, Monroe Anderson was a troublemaker in 1986, as my story. I, I had completely forgotten that I wrote this story, D. I mean, it's a long time ago. I've written literally hundreds of stories, over a thousand. And uh, I've forgotten this one. And he's old, guys. I know. <laughs> I'm old, man. It's like that. Um, you know, I gotta just say this: uh, the the protester at Buffalo, uh, blanking on his name at the moment, who was pushed down by the police and uh, is in the hospital right now. I hope he's doing better. I've got a lot of admiration for him. Uh, but in every, uh, it, it, whenever the talk show hosts or you know com late night comics talk about him, they always talk about the old guy. You know, they they really want to accentuate like how evil it was at what the police did by saying the old guy. I'm like. He wasn't that old. You know what I'm saying, Dave? Why, he was 75 years old? That's not that old. The cops did. That was police brutality. We all know that, right? Uh, Donald Trump's tweet to not withstand. We're gonna, Monroe Anderson is going to talk about that tweet, Donald Trump's tweet. A lot of political talk with Monroe Anderson ahead. And then our 3.30 guests. Yeah, we're going to go back to basketball. Joe Cowley. But it's our 7 o'clock guest. 7 p.m. tonight, you'll be able to download that. That's correct. Okay. You say 3.30, but no one's... No one can has listen the advantage to, to listen to it at 3.30. You know, the young man from Alton is correct. I will correct. be doing the interview at 3.30, but uh, you will be able to hear it at 7, and uh, we'll get uh, all the updates on the Bulls and talk about uh, how... Um, I mean to tell you that. Glad we had that uh, show meeting there. But the, <laughs> Folks, that's what a pre-show prep is just like. Uh, Dennis clarifies things to me. Oh, yeah, you're right. Uh, the interview will take at 3.30, but... Uh, anyway, so um, lots of political talk ahead. Uh, but before we do that, the young man from Alton, the man we call... What did Troy call you yesterday? D-Nice. The, the man they call D-Nice. With the news. Hey, how's it going? You'll be able to download our part two of the Ben Jarofsky Show at 7 o'clock tonight. Both Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Reader websites and wherever else you download your favorite podcast. Uh, oh, and also, so as you heard in the beginning, uh, Ben wrote down his intro and he couldn't read his handwriting. <laughs> Yet, you just heard the intro, sounded pretty well put together. So what the hell just happened there? What is this? Who are you? I don't know. I'm a very weird guy. I admit it. I <laughs> openly acknowledge it. Uh, and, you know, it's like my intros are stuff I think about from the moment I wake up. And, De and Dennis knows this because, like, he, we have these interactions. Like, what are you going to talk about? And 
I'm like, it's already on my mind. You know what I'm saying? So then I write it down. It's like Eminem in 8 Mile. Oh, Ben, yeah. you, you are a lot like Eminem. I've been meaning to tell you that. You just remind me of Did you ever rapper see Eminem. Eminem in 8 Mile, which uh, I know you've seen, right? Yeah, a long yeah. time ago. Your name I, actually, is- I don't know if I've actually watched the whole movie, to be honest. Wow, I've watched the whole movie. Your name I was is six miles in. <laughs> hey. Oh. Uh, your name is Clarence, and you have parents. That's a Eminem reference to you wouldn't get it. Show's over. Uh, anyway, uh, so Eminem, they showed when you know he wrote his lyrics. Uh, he wrote them on little scraps of paper. I go, that's just like me. So I write them on scraps of paper. And if I'm writing a story, you know, I could decipher it. Uh, but when I um, do the opening reads, it's just sort of remembering it as I go along. That's my coworker, guys. <laughs> Just like Pretty Eminem. Cool. For, yeah, it's just, I'm, and I, maybe I'm Dr. Dre. I don't know. Other than everything in the universe, I'm just like Eminem. <laughs> All right. Well, let's talk about what's happening in Chicago and North Illinois this afternoon. A lot to discuss, both around the state of Illinois and right here in our beloved city of Chicago. First up, Illinois Governor J.B. Pritzker. And for the record, I'm not a perfect person. Once again, no daily COVID-19 press briefing at the Thompson Center for J.B. Pritzker. Where is the big fella, you may be asking? (laughs) Well, today, he was at Skip Along Child Development Services at 11 a.m. He was in Moline with Representative Sherry Bustos, State Rep Michael Halpin, and Mayor Stephanie, oh, I'm going to butcher this one, Acree, A-C-R-I, Acree, I'm assuming, and others to discuss the Child Care Restoration Grants Program to provide emergency relief to child care providers. Uh, then in less than 20 or in less than an hour, I'm sorry, at 2 p.m., he will be at the Rockford YMCA with Sherry Busto, State Representative Maurice West and others to talk about emergency relief. After the governor attended and participated in a march in Madison, Illinois, on Monday, where hundreds demanded an end to racial inequality. Uh, Now, remember, there is a pandemic going on at the moment. And now some in Illinois are questioning the governor, screaming from the top of the mountain. (laughs) When you say some in Illinois are questioning, would you be saying those some are of the MAGA hat persuasion? Yeah, it's mainly Illinois Republican politicians. Uh, That's what I thought. Okay, go ahead. (laughs) Well, we're going to read them. The following comes from the Chicago Tribune and Ricky P. Rick Pearson. (laughs) Big Eminem fan. Oh, really? Yeah, I don't know. Wow. (laughs) I took him as more of a Biggie Smalls guy. What, What do you know about Ricky Pearson, Ben? Anything? Yeah, he's Rick. Oh, I've never met the guy. Although I saw him once. I actually saw Rick Pearson's like a legend in Chicago journals. He's got a show. He's got his own show. Did you know that, D? No, I did yeah, not. Yeah, <laughs> he's got his own show. So he's been covering the state house for like five thousand years. One time I saw him at um, Billy Goats. He was standing outside of Billy Goats, and I was past someone said, "That's Rick Pearson." Like, oh wow, man. So I really don't know. <laughs> I don't really know a lot of journalists in this town. If you haven't noticed, great that, story. Know? <laughs> awesome. <laughs> you know, he's a Tribune political reporter. I'm trying to think of all the journalists. Pretty much every journalist I know comes on the show. Romana, Mick, Monroe, Maya, you know, Miles. You know what I'm saying? They don't know a lot of journalists. I kind of hang around with the other crowd. Oh, boy, I was hoping for a real good story there. You know, I, gotta... I saw him once. Wasn't that good enough? I think he was smoking a cigarette, as I recall. Oh, cool. All yeah. right, well, the following comes from <laughs> oh, cool? Ricky P. Wait, oh, cool? Yeah. Uh, young, young listeners out badass. there, Dennis is not in any way condoning the smoking of cigarettes, okay? <laughs> no, but he, I believe he, he was smoking him, a cigarette. He had him rolled up in his sleeve. I think he was hand-rolling it. 
Oh, cool. No, I even totally, cooler. I totally made that part. That's Dennis. Back in the day. Can, I can we talk one? about the news, please? Uh, Dennis walking down the street, one-handed rolling, folks. Uh, yeah, uh, you know. yeah, you know. I don't like to brag. But. All right, Democratic Governor J.B. Pritzker defended himself Tuesday against Republican criticism that he was a social distancing hypocrite for appearing side-by-side with protesters at recent demonstrations. All right, so I have quotes from two Illinois Republican leaders. Uh, I'll read them, and then we'll read Pritzker's response. But before we do that, Ben, what's your take on this? I personally feel like uh, my head has exploded into a million pieces, and I can't make sense of anything anymore. So, Ben Jarofsky, help us out. Is Governor Pritzker a hypocrite for attending this protest? Absolutely not. I'm with Governor Pritzker 100%. By the way, was Darren Bailey one of those uh, Republicans that you're going to quote? Oh, downstate. Uh, DB, big feller? No, no. Huh, interesting. They've thrown Darren Bailey. Oh, he did the hard work, and now the other guys are taking the credit. Uh, I, I do not think he's a hypocrite. I think these are extraordinary times. I do believe, and you and I have made jokes about this many times, that enormous amounts of mixed messages have been sent out over the last three months regarding uh, COVID-19, social distancing, stay at home, when you're allowed to leave, when you're not allowed to leave, when you should get involved in big groups of people, when you should not get involved. I do believe a lot of mixed messaging uh, has gone on about it, but this is a um, extraordinary moment in our country's history uh and uh this is like how many years i've i'm my suddenly my dan biss mathematical abilities have left me for i'm sorry i made fun of you please come back we need you 400 years of wretched race relationships in this country going back to slavery and we're finally confronting it so my main concern is why are so few republicans joining the marches why is mitt romney the only republican out there maybe maybe a couple more i can only think he's the only prominent one why because you're all cowards you're all hiding under the desk you'd rather have a racist system than get a nasty tweet from donald trump so no i don't think he's a hypocrite i think republicans are hypocrites because they are the party of lincoln abraham lincoln and yet they're acting like a bunch of bigots and racists. So that's what I think. Dr. Oh, D. hard take from Jarofsky. He didn't have that written down, all right? That just came out of my heart. Mm. All right. Oh, and hey, a uh, way to keep up on things, Ben. Uh, Roe let us know. WGN just dumped Rick Pearson's Sunday radio show. So there you go. You're kidding. No. Oh, th- bro, is that for real? Oh, my God. I feel bad. I did not know that. I did not know that. I feel bad now. All right, here we go. <laughs> hey, man, I've been fired too, okay? I'm just trying to tell you, Rick, you're a really talented guy. You'll get another gig. From atop of the mountain, it's our first conservative calling out the governor. Good <laughs> It's state GOP spokesman Joe Hackler of Redbud, Illinois. Wait, he's not even a elected official? He's just a spokesman? I don't know this dude. Joe Hackler? Hackler. Let me look him up. Oh, great. Yeah, we got to go. Oh, by the way, Frank, uh, I want to say thank you to Frank. Hey, Frank, uh, thanks. Martin uh, Gigino is the name of the uh, protester in Buffalo, the 75-year-old man who is not old. I mean, he's 75 years old, so old, you know, in that term. But come on. I got a lot of respect. All right, for you're that worrying guy. me. You are a multitasker. Hold right on, Haley. Hey, hold on, guys. You found Frank's comment while doing the show. Now you're about to look something else hold up on it. Whoa. Well, how does he spell that last name? H-A-C-K-L-E-R? Yes, sir. 
All right, Joe Hackler. There's a guy in Texas. I can't believe. Uh, Joe, are you sure that's a name? Yeah. Oh, he's the communications director for the Illinois Republican Party. Just think about that, folks. He could have been anything in life. I'm sure he's a smart young man. You know? Oh, wow. Goes, I want to be a flack for Republicans. All right. Well, I'm... what a great career. All of our communications directors that listen to this program, please. We're sorry. Please I'm keep sorry. Listening. Come on, man. You could have done better than that, wow. Joey. Come on, Joseph. All right, here's Joe Hackler of Redbud, Illinois. Uh, by the way, Redbud is a city in Randolph County, Illinois. Where's that? The population was 3,698 at the 2010 census, and it's the home of the Redbud campus of Southwestern Illinois College. Right, and then what's the high school? I don't know. No. <laughs> uh, I think Joe Hackler must have gone there. <laughs> He's the communications director for the Illinois Republican Party. What a thankless job that is. Uh, I'm going to defend Donald Trump right now. Here's the quote from Hackler. Quote, the governor flaunting his disregard for his own rules is a slap in the face to every Illinoisan who has been diligently following them. Like, I don't know, Darren Bailey? Has he been diligently following them? He continues, if the governor wants to show solidarity with protesters, his time is better spent on the phone with legislators trying to build a coalition for change. He could be calling an immediate special session. Instead, he poses for a photo op while undermining whatever credibility he had left on his coronavirus restrictions. All right, so let's com contrast the protest uh, of J.B. Pritzker and other Democratic officials uh, uh, with that of the MAGA hat crowd, okay? So J.B. Pritzker uh, joins oh, a lot of elected officials, like Chris Welch, I've seen Tony Preckwinkle out there, a lot of uh, Democratic officials uh, joining marchers in solidarity, calling for a whole new world of policing, a whole new way of dealing, the police dealing with black communities. It's only like 300 years a little late on this thing, but better late than never, right? Everybody... It seems like the whole country is caught up with this in this moment. We have an absolute, one of the first opportunity in my lifetime for meaningful change. And so J.B. Pritzker has joined that movement, and I say more power to him. What movement have the Republicans joined? Well, let's see. They had their own protest, D. Remember we talked about them? D.B. and the rest of them, they had their protest. They were protesting the stay-at-home order. Remember that? They thought their liberty was at stake. All right, their precious liberty was at stake. And so they had protests. I didn't see a whole lot of social distancing. Where was Joey Hackler to uh, stand up, uh, call for social distancing when it was the Republicans without masks, right? Republicans with signs with swastikas. Remember those those days, D? But the Nazi slogans. Where was Joe Hackler in the Republican Party? Did not, there was like one Republican in the state of Illinois who had the guts and this, and this is just shows you how extreme and out of their mind the Republicans are. They can't even stand up to Nazis or to people with Nazi slogans or swastikas. They're so afraid of a nasty tweet from Donald Trump, they hide under the table rather than confront uh, Nazis or people with Confederate flags or guys running around with rifles. So I will believe that Republicans in the state of Illinois care about working with Democrats on social justice issues. When I see a Republican in the state of Illinois, more than one, stand up to a Nazi. How about that, Joe Hacker? Can you just get like a couple of Republicans to stand up to like the far right? Well, it's not even the far right in your party. It is your party. So when I look at hypocrites, 
I'm looking at the Republican Party right now. They're nowhere to be found. Absolutely nowhere. You're actually to be looking found. at a porta potty. But. <laughs> well, a perfect symbol of the Republican Party in the state of Illinois. That porta potty. Would it be the Republican Party? I tell you what. Why this guy's? He just thought that up. That is brilliant, man. No wonder they call you D Nice. Only Troy the Ravi's called. <laughs> no, we're calling it from now on. You like that better than uh, Dr. Doobie. I you? mean, I prefer Dennis over <laughs> any of them. My actual name. I love Dr. Doobie. Can we please call you Dr. Doobie? No. Right, so that was GOP spokesman Joe Hackler. Oh, yeah. Time now for our next conservative. Good lady. <laughs> <laughs> it's Republican State Rep Grant Worley mm. of Naperville. Oh, Naperville. Okay. Ah, the Worley bird took to Twitter to criticize Pritzker as a, quote, two-faced politician who wants, quote, you to do as they say, but not take their own advice. Wait a minute. You got it all mixed up, Worley. Rules for thee, not for me. Obviously, Worley's not been listening to the Ben Jarofsky show, huh, D? No. Rules for me, not for thee. Or did I get it wrong, D, with, the, the, with my uh, dyslexia? No, you got it right. Oh, phew, thank goodness. All right, so uh, Worley once again said uh, Pritzker's a two-faced politician who wants to quote uh, you to do as they say, but do not take their own advice and flout the very laws they put in place. Well, uh, listen, as I said uh, before, a lot of mixed messages are going out right now, and I'm not quite sure where we stand. Putting aside protests, uh, either protests of the MAGA hat crowd with their swastikas, uh, against stay-at-home orders and the protests of uh, the r- decent portion of humanity uh, for uh, respecting black lives. Notice that distinction. Um, so putting aside that issue, I'm not quite sure where we stand as a society on the whole COVID-19 thing. They, uh, am, I'm, have we like ended you know what I'm saying? Is this like officially over that we're supposed to be social distancing? Yeah, do we add letters into the phases now? Is this phase 2A? Yeah, so I understand. You could, you know, I, I understand the confusion. Mixed messages are going out. There have been mixed messages sent out from the get-go. So, but I will repeat this point. It's one thing to join an uprising uh, to protect the lives of black people and it's another thing to join, to attempt to ignite an uprising inspired by people waving Confederate flags, swastikas, and Nazi slogans. Just saying to Republicans, before you look at J.B. Pritzker, you got to look at yourself. you got to look in the mirror, to quote Michael Jackson. Look in the mirror. Well, that's not Man, let's quote. quote. Yeah, all right. <laughs> Actually, it's the man in the mirror. Great song, by the way. I know, Michael Jackson, it's not the best person to quote these days. But I do love that song. Uh, so, yeah, Republicans, about time you look at yourselves. Instead of looking at J.B. Britzker. Oh, God, he's a hypocrite. Yeah, what about you, Republicans? You're the party of Lincoln, and you're too chicken to stand up to someone with a swastika on her sign at one of your protests. Donald Trump still can't even find it in himself to criticize white supremacists and Nazis. Well, probably because he is a white supremacist. But still, Republicans should look at themselves instead of before. Be, they should like try to consider where their party has gone and how deformed it is uh, before they start launching their uh, attacks at J.B. Pritzker, who, again, in my humble opinion, is doing the right thing uh, by standing with black citizens, being a good ally at this time. So that's 
That's just me, to quote Norm Van Lair. And also, regardless, when it comes to you and I in this attic, six feet! <laughs> Keep away from me. Wait, hold on. Still doing that, all yeah, right? it's six feet. It's definitely six Thank feet, Thank you. All right, all right we, now... By the way, we make Dennis take a test every day. No, <laughs> Take that test. It's a spelling test. All right, Dennis. C blank T. Uh, meow. Hold <laughs> on, let me see. Catch Sorry. him at Zany's, guys. All right. Yeah, we've heard mixed from, messages, ladies and gentlemen. Lots of mixed. We've messages. heard from those Republicans on top of the mountain. Goodly. Now let's hear from old Jana Banana himself, JB Pritzker. In response to the Illinois Republicans' comment, Governor Pritzker said, "Quote: I'm not going to run away from taking a stand at a historic inflection point involving race and law enforcement." Appearing at a news conference in Decatur, Pritzker acknowledged that, quote, people should still be social distancing and expressed concerns that there could be a resurgence of the coronavirus as a result of mass protests over the death of George Floyd while in Minneapolis police custody. Four officers have been charged, including one with murder. J.B. Pritzker goes on and says, I go places and it's very difficult to get socially distant when an awful lot of people show up and I'm not going to run away. Especially at this moment, it's important to express ourselves. It's important to stand up for people's First Amendment rights, and I'm talking about the peaceful protesters across the state. It's important to have the governor stand with them on issues that are important to the state and progress that we need to make. Pritzker said he has a, quote, long list of considerations for possible recommendations to lawmakers on how to deal not only with charges in law enforcement, but also to address communities that have uh, seen economic disinvestment. That includes Chicago neighborhoods, but also downstate. Continuing, quote, I think this is a unique moment where people's voices are being heard, and they're not just black voices, I might add. Yeah, I'm with him 100%. I think this is a unique moment. This is like, I'm an old guy, all right? And this is perhaps, oh, it's hard to say this in the middle. I'm, while I'm in the attic looking at a porta party and knowing how things can just go the wrong way. And I always hesitate to be optimistic. But this could be a breakthrough moment uh, for America. And so it's really important, in my humble opinion, that leaders join the Black Lives Matter protest and show their support, white leaders, white people in positions of authority. And that's why, again, I applaud uh, Mitt Romney. The, as far as I'm, I realize, again, the only Republican. And it's really, to, you know what? I talk about this a lot, Dean. I talk about the whole issue of the Me Too era and how it only seems to be Democrats who care about the issue of uh, sexual harassment. It seems to only be a Democrat. Certainly Democrats are the only ones who are holding their officials accountable. There's far more protests, let's say, against Joe Biden uh, and Tara Reid's accusations. We talked about this uh, than uh, Donald Trump was being accused of rape. So that was just one example. Uh, well, then when it comes to health care, here's another example. Obama came up with a very Mitt Romney, a very moderate Republican health care strategy. Repeal and replace. That was the Republicans' response. They've been fighting to destroy it ever since. They, they feel no, they, they're not compelled in any way to come up with an alternative. They just want to destroy health care. So health care apparently is only an issue that Democrats talk about. We t last, in last summer's debate, it seems like another universe ago, Democrats were uh, debating the fine points of like uh, Medicare for all versus expanding the public option. Are we going too far in this one direction? The Rom crowd in the Democratic Party, remember Rom? 
around, went around his bike ride, and said nobody really wants uh, Medicare for all somehow or other. That was his takeaway. But that was a debate in the Democratic Party. In the Republican Party, there is no debate. Hey, where's uh, Joey Hackler and Grant Worley on this one? What's your plan for health care for this country? Oh, no, none. Just going to get rid of Obamacare in the middle of a pandemic. That's the Republican. So all these issues, Republicans don't even participate. They feel like they don't have to do it because they're appealing to the worst instincts of people and getting them to vote for them on their worst prejudices and fears and hates and biases. And now we're finally confronting all these racist issues that the United States has been dealing with since slavery. And we're Republicans. They're trying to exacerbate it for their own good. They're not offering anything. They're not part of the conversation. They're not a part of the marches. They're not a part of the protests. All they want to do is try to take advantage of it to hold on to power so they can give tax breaks to their rich friends and corporations. So they're utterly freaking worthless. So I don't buy any Republican who criticizes J.B. Pritzker for putting on his mask, and I saw J.B. Pritzker had the mask on, unlike D.B. Darren Bailey, he at least put on the mask and joined the Black Lives Matter movement. I applaud J.B. Pritzker for doing that. I admit it's a mixed message. Look, this is the reality. There was an eruption that occurred in this country over the last two weeks in response to George Floyd's murder. That's just the reality, folks. And that was an eruption that was a long time coming. We're finally addressing these issues. So for Republicans to try to turn this into a political game while they're hiding under the desk, utter freaking cowards to even stand up to the Nazi supporters in their party, I just think they, they have not des- they, they're not even worthy of listening to, D. That's what I say. All right, moving on. <laughs> Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot. How did you go from sharing stories over the years to deciding to write a book? Good question, Mayor. Oh, good good question. question. No, it wasn't. All right. <laughs> a terrible question. Oh, Hillary, you're great. How did you get to be so great? Oh, How did you question. go from sharing stories over the years to deciding to write a book? Good question, Mayor. <laughs> good question. Good question. Come on, Hillary. Yeah, <laughs> you should have said, oh, what a softball, Lori. I'll hit that one out of the park. Today, the mayor is at the Resurrection Project to announce a new cash assistance program for Chicago residents. But today, we don't want to focus on what is going on today with the mayor. We want to talk about what happened while we were away. Oh, yeah. Uh, hey, how about that heated altercation between Mayor Lori Lightfront or Lakefront. What the heck? Lakefront, I meant. Sorry. <laughs> Mayor Lori Lakefront. My apologies. That's okay. Mayor Lori Lakefront and 15th Ward Alderman Ray Lopez. Ray Lopez. question that I have. I think you're 100% full of is what I think. If you think oh, we no were... No Who are you to tell me I'm full of If you think... And guys, that wasn't call waiting. Wait, Tim, <laughs> that was a good line. Who did, did you put the beeps in? No. Oh, that was from CBS. Oh, come on, CBS, man it up. God, <laughs> let the beep. I'm sorry, we're protecting you from yeah, language on, that you CBS. use. CBS, can't you just go day. in a random attic and do a show and curse like sailors? You won't even let me. Although yesterday, D, you were liberated, man. You said done it before really the following audio and story comes from cbs to chicago 
as looters were ransacking businesses throughout the city more than a week ago. Once again, CBS 2 Chicago said that. Mayor Lori Lightfoot and Alderman Ray Lope has been of what ward? 15. I, I, I said it earlier. You cheated. <laughs> Mayor Lori Lightfoot. Wait, that's hilarious. Mayor Lori, that may be the funniest thing you said all day. Oh. I cheated. Oh, he broke down to 15. Mayor Lightfoot and Alderman Raymond Lopez. Wait, time out. What ward does Alder, uh, Mayor Lori Lightfoot live in? Uh, fourth. No. Right. Fourth. <laughs> She's in the 35th. That's an issue because she doesn't always agree with them. Can I finish the story? Oh, sorry, man. All right, thank you. Mayor Lori Lightfoot and Alderman Raymond Lopez, one of her harshest critics, engaged in an angry and foul-mouthed argument over the city's handling of the widespread violence. During a conference call with all 50 aldermen on May 31st to discuss the city's response to the looting, Lopez accused the mayor of being unprepared when looting spread from downtown to the neighborhoods that weekend. Looters pillaged shops throughout the city as peaceful protesters were taking to the streets on the last weekend in May in memory of George Floyd. Uh, and it says here... All right, well, no, we have the audio, so let's go ahead and hear this. It's a little muffled. Ben, give us a recap of everything that went down, but I'm going to play it. Well, no, I want an answer. I, that, you commented on everybody. I want an answer. It's not something you ignore. This is a question that I have. I think you're 100%. I think you're 100% full of is what I think. Yeah, now Jay Marie on the live stream chat has a great question, but Ben, please... Uh, Wait, what's the question? Well, we'll ask that later. Uh, just go ahead and give us a recap and uh, tell us everything. All right, well, first of all, I urge everyone, uh, if you haven't already, uh, Matt Harvey, the interview I did with Matt Harvey of Tribe uh, yesterday, uh, talking about, he, he covered, he was there for the first three days of much of the unrest, Matt Harvey of Tribe, so you listen to his account, and Troy LaRavier uh, from the Chicago Principals Association was arrested, and he talks about being arrested uh, and uh, a showdown on the Wabash uh, Street Bridge uh, as protesters were trying to uh, move north to the Trump Tower and a long line of police blocked them off and arrested them. Uh, they were protecting Trump Tower. So the issue here is this one, folks. Was the city's strategy, if they had a strategy, was the city's strategy of deploying police uh, on what, what was it that been Saturday, the 30th of May, I want to say, uh, those first two days of unrest, was that strategy intended to block off the downtown area from demonstrators, uh, to quote-unquote protect the downtown area from demonstrators, thus exposing the neighborhoods uh, to all kinds of unrest, looting, uh, rioting, etc., broken windows, d demolished businesses, etc. That's what Ray Lowe's accusation is. And Ray Lopez is the alderman from the 15th Ward, which is on the southwest side of Chicago. His ward is unique. It, all wards in the city of Chicago are gerrymandered to one er, uh, degree or another. But uh, Ray Lowe's ward is essentially a melding of black neighborhoods and uh, Latino neighborhoods. And uh, he is the representative of each. 
And when he started out, he was very much a Rahm Emanuel uh, Democrat. Um, he did not speak out against Rahm Emanuel when Emanuel was the mayor of the city of Chicago. But since Lori Lightfoot has taken the reins of power, Raylo has merged as one of the sharpest critics of Lori Lightfoot. Now, I point out the inconsistency with Raylo. I wish he had been a critic of Rahm Emanuel. We, Rahm, all-powerful mayor, needed all the critics uh, he could he could find. And that was actually Jay Marie's question. She said, my question is, why did Lopez not have the same energy against Rom? Okay. But I didn't even not know that. Great minds think alike. Okay, Jay Marie? Well, I think, Jay Marie, you could probably answer the question as, every, uh, as well as I can. Uh, Ray Lopez is very much a part of that old establishment, sort of like the Ed Burke crowd from the 14th Ward area, the area around on the southwest side, very... I wouldn't even call it mainstream Democrat. It's almost like Democrats moving toward Republicans. Uh, I, so he was not about to speak out against either Ed Burke or Lori, uh, excuse me, Rahm Emanuel or Richie Daly. He's just part of that crowd. Now, uh, when Ed Burke got ceremoniously tossed out of control of the finance chair, something I applauded that I think is Lori Lightfoot's greatest accomplishment, as mayor of the city of Chicago, uh, Ray Lopez just stayed with Burke, and he became a critic of Lori Lightfoot. Now, Jay Marie, I would say this. I welcome his criticism of Lori Lightfoot. I do not, I am not completely comfortable with all powerful mayors. Anybody who's read my stories through the year knows this. So any voice I can have of opposition that forces the mayor to explain herself, to... Uh, defend her policies, to justify her policies, maybe compromise some of those policies, I welcome. Raylo is not a progressive. He is a conservative Democrat. And and that he he's definitely not a Bernie Sanders a Democrat. That is for sure. So he's not going to be leading the charge to criticize Mayor Life on an issue like, oh, I don't know, more nurses in the schools. But he will criticize her over whether she should have the authority uh, to name council chairmen in the city council. So he'll debate her on issues of her relationship with the city council, but not really engage her with issues of like whether it's uh, her TIF program is fair. And so that brings me to this point, B. If the TIF program is any indication and the TIP program is the program intended to help the poorest of poor neighborhoods with our property tax dollars, but it's spent mostly on gentrifying areas uh, in the city that are already doing pretty well. If the TIF program has any idea of how the city uh, uses, distributes its uh, resources, then yes, absolutely. The police strategy was intended to help the downtowns at the risk of the south and west side and southwest side neighborhoods. I don't think there's any, uh, I, I don't see how anybody can have a really debate on that one. But I will say this, uh, Raylo, I wish you had taken a strong stand against the TIF program. I wish you had voted against Lincoln Yards when Mayor Ron was shoving, us, that, shoving that thing down our throats in his last uh, city council uh, meeting. I wish you had taken a stand against the 78. So I always welcome dissent in the Chicago City Council when they're pointing out where the mayor's gone too far. But I do find it interesting that Raylo voted for uh, Lincoln Yards but is now talking about uh, an inadequate distribution of police uh, supplies or police presence during uh, the unrest of last weekend. By the way, you know, uh, Mayor Rahm 
recently rode his bike, right? I just <laughs> biked around Lake Michigan. Uh, yeah. How far did you go? Nearly a thousand miles. Oh, wow. Do you have any discussions about uh, health care? No, no. You're <laughs> Oh, rom, rom, rom. Come on, Raylo. I'm with Jay Marie on this one. You should have. Where were you when we needed in rom? By the way, rom had once, uh, Raylo once, you know, in his credit, uh, Jay Marie once had this encounter with rom. Uh, God, I wrote about it for the reader. I think he came on the show to talk about it. Uh, and Rom dropped the F-bomb on Raylo. It had to do with the expenditure of this City. Lopez <laughs> is just a rebel rouser. And uh, he, he said that to me, uh, Raylo did, in an interview that I did with him, and I mentioned it. He, I guess mentioning it caught him off guard because Rom's people called him up. And next thing, in, oh, my God. In the city of Chicago, like, the reporters go crazy. Wait, Rom dropped the F-bomb on you? And suddenly, like, mainstream reporters are writing stories. Uh Alderman, Southwest Side Alderman, accuses Mayor Rahm of dropping the F-bomb on him. So that was, that became the story. I apologize, Raylo, for causing you trouble with uh, Mayor Rahm. But I'm with Jay Marie. I wish you had spoken out against some of Mayor Rahm's programs. Jay Marie, thanks for weighing in. That was awesome. Uh, also, I met to read this yesterday. Our good friend Stephen uh, returned to the live stream chat. And uh, he wanted to let us know of an event taking place here. Uh, there's a National Day of Action to Stop Police Crimes going on June 13th. It says here over the past two weeks, as Minneapolis and the rest of the country have erupted in outrage over the number of George Floyd, uh, by the murder of George Floyd by law enforcement, a spark, which has ignited the collective experience of police terror across America, going back as far as the institution of police has existed here. We have seen law enforcement double down on their crimes. The action, once again, June 13th. Uh, it's going to be happening. Uh, you reach out to the Chicago Alliance Against Racist and Political Repression, uh, 312-939-2750. They're at 1325 South Wabash for more information. Once again, the National Day of Action to Stop Police Crimes, June 13th, 2020. All right, to the live stream chat we go here. Kyle weighed in. This is an interesting comment. And Kyle says, um, Alderman Ray Lopez, uh, when you lick Rom's boot, do you lick from the toe to the ankle uh, or from the ankle to the toe? Yeah, see, Ray, well, that's you leave yourself open when you did not go strong against Rom. And Jay Marie's right. I mean, uh, I like I like Alderman who take the strong stand against any all powerful mayor. Okay. Please come back on the show, Ray Lopez. Oh, he will. One thing about Raylo, I will say this. He's not afraid of dealing with t tough questions or criticism. So I'll bring him back to the show, and uh, I know he will come back. Uh, I'll have to reach out to him, but uh, I know he'll come back. And hey, live streamers, have you heard our part two of yesterday's program? It's a good one. Ben, who did we talk Harvey, with? Matt Harvey, man. Matt Harvey. Uh, this is a bright star in Chicago journalism. He's so young. Good God. Uh, but uh, he covers for Tribe. He covered the first two or three days of the protests that took over Memorial Day, and uh, he did a great job of breaking down what he saw and what his sense of what police strategy was, gets in a lot of issues that Raylo was raising. He talked about his own confrontations with the police that day. They were giving him a hard time. Uh, and uh, talked about the confrontation on the Wabash Street Bridge. That hasn't really gotten a lot of attention. Uh, the fact that the police were defending Trump Tower. I haven't, like, was that a part of a, a strategy to, uh, created by Lori Lightfoot? You know what I mean? Was that just something impulsive thing by police defending uh, Donald Trump? I don't know. Uh, but the, there was uh, 
Troy LaRabier talked about this at length, too, and he was arrested on the Wabash Street Bridge. And by the way, you should check out that interview, too, because that's pretty powerful stuff. Troy LaRabier, who ran for mayor, briefly ran for, might have been our mayor, was arrested uh, last week uh, protesting. So just think about that, folks, the difference between a candidate for mayor and a a private citizen. He was arrested, thrown in jail, held with, I think he said, 30 people in in a relatively small cell. Very powerful stuff from Troy LaRavier, but Matt Harvey as well uh, from Tribe talking about breaking down what he saw on May 30th, May 31st uh, with the um, the protesting. Yeah, guys, check that out. Also, hey, we got like over 500 episodes on both Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Reader websites and wherever else you download your favorite podcast. Live streamers, we appreciate you listening live. That's awesome. Thank you so much. But there's so much more content that you may not have heard. So go check it out. Chicago Sun-Times website, Chicago Reader website, wherever else you download your favorite podcast. We do Benny J bonus interviews. We're a hardworking podcast, all right? hardworking and i know a lot of our political listeners you know don't care about the bulls i love the bulls i love basketball and we get a lot of hits on these things d you know so there's a lot of bulls fans out there joe collie will be our guest today i'll we'll drop that show at seven dennis is correct the interview will take place at 3 30 we'll drop it at seven but uh, all the updates on the bulls and uh talk about uh oh how the uh black lives uh uh, matters movement is affecting uh, NBA. I wrote a column about the NFL, what a bunch of hypocrites they are, and the Chicago Bears. Chicago Bears in a million years, oh, I'm not going to have a black guy play quarterback. I hear so biased against black quarterbacks. Uh, and uh, so we'll be talking with Joe Colley about the Bulls. To, uh, All right, and the hard work continues here on the Ben Jarofsky Show because coming up after this break, legendary Chicago journalist Monroe Anderson is back, and he's going to be talking Trump, 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 auto mechanics? <laughs> No, <laughs> all Trump guys. It's the Ben Jarofsky show. We are like, what's up? I just want to say one thing before we go. What? Uh, I just have to do uh, Mayor Lori Lightfoot in the Lakefront update. You know, I love Lori Lightfoot and the Lakefront updates, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. This is just one of you my You brought it up stuff. right as we were about to go. Go ahead. Go for it. Go for it. Just thank you. I just have to say this. Get this up. There was a, uh, it was kind of a funny article uh, in the Chicago Tribune. We got to give the Tribune clear. Blair Kamen wrote it, uh, who uh, the architect critic wrote about the Lakefront. And, uh, well, I can't find it here. But anyway, that's the sound of the newspaper. Anyway, I've had to light with this. You know, I'm looking for any element of humor I can find in these uh, disturbing times uh, between the pandemic uh, and all the racism. But um, anyway, Lori Lightfoot uh, closed off the lakefront, as you recall, uh, a couple, was it March or April? I can't remember. Everything's just a blur. Uh, saying that she was doing it for the good of the people of Chicago because the people of Chicago are essentially children and cannot be uh, cannot control their own impulses. That as soon as this is a nice day, they're gonna run right out. I get it. I've been frolic. I was feeling the same way. And, I, I'm an idiot. And of course, <laughs> Northsiders they just double down their love for Lori Lightfoot. They love so Lori Lightfoot now says she's going to relax uh, the uh, the shutdown of the lakefront and she's going to open up the parkways that are just west of the lakefront. And Blair Kamen just pointed out in the tribute, uh, they were never closed in the first place. <laughs> it's not like you're giving us something. Oh, but Northsiders have two reactions. One, Blair Kamen, get in line. Don't you ever say anything bad about Lori Lightfoot. That's number one. And number two, thank you, Lori. Oh, you're our favorite mayor. <laughs> I hope your neighbors never hear this show. <laughs> Northside liberals, you guys are a piece of work. Okay, fair maps, Ben. Come on. Let's get along with Republicans, okay? <laughs> Come on, Northsiders. Yeah, what can I tell you, D? 
Good times. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Lori Lakefront. All right, everybody. We're going to play a song. And then after that song, Monroe Anderson. It's the Ben Jarofsky Show, live from Ben's Attic.
right, everybody. We're about to call Monroe Anderson. Welcome back. Crystal G returned on the live stream chat. Crystal G, what's happening? Okay, let's call Monroe. See how this goes. Yesterday, not so well. Oh, all right. Right off the bat. Hey. Oh, you've mastered that technology. Here we go. One ringy dingy. Two ringy dingies. Okay. <laughs> ringy dingies. That's uh, an old bit. I don't think there's anyone old enough out there that remembers that bit. All right. All right. Well, Mr. Monroe. Monroe. Uh, come on, Monroe. Oh, I'm nervous. There we go. Hello. All right, Monroe Anderson. Yeah. Don't okay. run. Don't run to answer the phone or anything. For goodness. <laughs> uh, Monroe, well, I, 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 you needed you needed some suspense in your life. <laughs> you, you, we got it. Thank you, Monroe, for giving us the suspense. Ever, <laughs> all right, Monroe, I got your uh, Facebook. This is uh, man. Monroe is funny on Facebook. Monroe Anderson, legendary Chicago journalist. Uh, for a while, for a stint, he was press. Uh, uh, he was what? Are you, press secretary for Eugene Sawyer. Yeah, so press right. secretary. 18, 18 months. Yeah. So, uh, and then he said, "To hell with that." Uh, and then for the nineties, he was on TV <laughs> and Channel Two. Uh, so I am going to put him on the hot seat with the defund the police uh, issue. But uh, I just want to read Monroe's uh, Facebook posting uh, promoting the show. It'd be like a cheat sheet for us. And here it is. This is um, what Monroe posted. Is the defund the police movement an idea whose time has come, or is it cutting off your nose to spite your face? With the upside-down Bible photo op, the tweet about the 75-year-old Buffalo man knocked down by the police and positioning the military to shoot the American people, has Donnie Trump finally jumped the shark? And will the NFL team owners take a knee with Commissioner Roger Goodell? Man, Goodell's not taking a knee, Monroe, but that's funny anyway. Uh, oh, that's too funny. I was speaking figuratively. Figuratively. Uh, man, yeah. don't get me started in the it's NFL. Started already. What a huh? bunch of cowards. The NFL, the biggest bunch of phonies. We'll get into that, though. And the, season, uh, yeah, okay. and the players. Ben and I will be discussing this issue. There are many, many more. Uh, Monroe Anderson, uh, troublemaker extraordinaire. And Monroe, before we take the deep dive in this stuff, um, I just have to say, I told you this briefly, and I've already mentioned on the air once, I'll talk about this. I've been going through all my articles going back to the 80s, because I'm an old guy, and I have a lot of articles, and the reader's going to put together a greatest hits compilation. They're doing that now to raise money. Uh, and uh, so anyway, so I've been going back. It's going to be a book or what? Uh, it's going to be a book. They did it for Lior Galil. They, um, uh, Mike Sula, Maya is going to come out with hers. They're every, I think about five or six different writers. So it's a book, uh, and the reader is going to sell it. Tracy Bain, this is one of her ideas, to sell it to try to raise money for the reader. Uh, you know, we need yeah. to raise money uh, because we're struggling right. like uh, everybody else in this business. But uh, anyway, so I'm, this is really a difficult struggle for me because it's it just like, I'm going back into time, reading these old articles, and I don't know. I don't know if you've ever done that, going back and read old articles. You're just filled with all these conflicting thoughts. Anyway, I came upon an article uh, that is, is so old that it's not even on the reader archives. So I don't even know if I can include it, but I really do. And it has to do with your uh, old friend and colleague, Clarence Page, doing a book reading at a bookstore on the north side of Chicago uh, to celebrate uh, Leonidas McClain. And I know young people have no idea who Leonidas McClain is, but she was a trailblazing journalist, a Chicago tribute. She rose to the ranks. She, I believe, wasn't she the editorial board 
Uh, yeah, she's on the editorial editorial board. board. A black woman from first black on the Tribune editorial board. Man, and you she was thirty three at the time or thirty two. Yeah, and you know that a lot of well, I'll I'll ask you to talk about a Leonita uh, a little bit, but I just got to share this moment, and then you can reflect. Um, so. The, uh, Clarence Page, uh, who used to be married to Lee Nina McLean, helped put together a compilation of her columns and articles uh, after her suicide. And he was giving this reading, very emotional reading. Uh, he was crying. It was very moving. I was reading this account. But in the middle of it, <laughs> Clarence, on a tangent, mentioned that a very young reporter for the Chicago Tribune, Monroe Anderson, uh, fell in the habit of posting... Uh, on the walls of his office, all the racist literature that white Chicago was putting out about Harold Washington, just in case there were some reporters from the Tribune who didn't want to, you know what I mean, want to bury their head like ostriches. There was Monroe Anderson. <laughs> Monroe, you've been a troublemaker from the get-go, okay? <laughs> yeah, right, right. Yeah, no, this is true. <laughs> you remember doing that? Uh, yeah, 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 now that you mentioned it. I, I hadn't thought about it in a very long time. You know, the other thing is I was on the Today Show. I, I, I covered Harold's election. But I didn't cover the primary mm-hmm. because they, they picked nine white men. Just pause and, and say that again. I, I, they picked nine white men. Right. <laughs> Not one right. black person, covered, right? Right. Wow. Exactly. And I confronted... Um, um, one of the editors about that because I had broken, I scooped the story on Harold being in the election to begin with. I scooped everybody. Okay, so I, I, I confronted the editor about my not being among them and he said, well, they didn't make assignments according to race. Yeah, right. That. Uh, that man, if, if you... Yeah, be- no, because white men were default. You know, so if you did anything, but anyway, after because I'd also written this um, this this um, op-ed page column, uh, well, yeah, commentary that the next mayor of Chicago was going to be black, and that was sort of like predicting that we were going to have a, a pandemic five years ago. Yeah. You know, just so out of the, the the so crazy that it was barely paying attention. Okay, the way I broke it down, it came to be. So I said that you have the reason the next black, the next mayor of Chicago was going to be black, is because you had two popular white candidates, and Jane Byrne and Richard Daly, mm-hmm. and they were going to at that time the city basically was fifty percent white and forty percent black. And my theory was that you split the white vote in half, 30-30, the black person went. Uh, the wisdom around the Tribune newsroom at that time was blacks would never vote for a black candidate that high, because wow. they've never done it before, so why should they do it now? Anyway, my prediction comes true. Harold becomes the nominee, Democratic nominee. And in, in, in any other time, that would have been um, a, a given. That's the Democratic candidate who will win mayor. But as you know, and your and many of your 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 audience know, um, white Chicago went from being demo- starkly Democratic 
to Republican mm-hmm. overnight. Yep. And um, so anyway, you had this whole um, before it's too late campaign with, with um, Bernie. Bernie Epton. Yep. Yeah, a different Bernie. Yeah, a different Bernie. Completely Much different, different Bernie. Bernie. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Completely. But it, but anyway, anyway, so the 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 Monday, I think it was Monday before the election, the Tuesday election. I was on the Today Show in the morning, interviewed by Jane Pauley, and she asked me if. Carol Washington didn't win the election tomorrow. Would there be rioting in Chicago? Um, I had learned, although I hadn't been on TV a whole lot, I'd been on enough to know that there are certain tricks you do. So when she asked me that question, what I did was I, I pointed at my um, ear and, and, and signaled that the sound wasn't coming. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I did that because I, I just wanted to think about what the answer should be. Right. I just want to boom, okay? So I said, I'm sorry, Dan, I can't hear you. Could you repeat that? So uh. she repeated the question. And then my answer was, well, I would hope not. Tribune, because I didn't just say no, they'd never do this before or anything like that. I was being truthful because mm-hmm. there probably would have been lighting in the streets of Harold had lost to Chicago. But um, I didn't want to say that, but it would be. So I, I did a whole, what I thought to be diplomatic, well, let's hope not, et cetera, et cetera. The Tribune switchboard lit up mm. with people protesting what I said. And so I was I started off I was um I started off just with them not caring about me, my being the troublemaker. Yeah. Um and I presume that the people lighting up the switchboard protesting were of the white people persuasion? Yeah, yes. Yeah. Yes, very much. Coast to coast. because everybody watched it watched it, you know, it's a national show, so everybody watched it. So from coast to coast, the calls came in. Yeah. Well, and the editor Jim Squire was very pissed off at me about that. Did he confront you? No. Every I, I was told that he was he, he was upset. Wow, that's passive aggressive. Yeah. Well, we had already had a, um, a, a a well. Let me think about this. No, that was later. Yeah. After I, I told him I wanted to be an editor, and he told me he had his, I mean, a columnist. He told me he had his two columnists, Leonita and Vernon Jarrett. So that was that. Yeah. By the way, uh, Vernon Jarrett was at this reading that I uh, wrote about in 1986 as well. I, you were the only one who wasn't there, apparently. Uh, but uh, I, I just want to, since you told that story, I got to tell you my uh, Harold Washington story. I was working for uh, the Chicago Reporter. Uh, yeah, back in those days, which was a newsletter dedicated to uh, racial issues. Uh, and uh, so John McDermott, John McDermott, may yeah. he rest in peace. Yeah, John was a good guy, yeah. A real good guy. One of the really good guys in Chicago, Monroe and I will agree to that, uh, said, he called us in, he said, all right, uh, there's three candidates running in the Democratic primary. There's Harold Washington, there's Richie Daly, and there's Jane Byrne. And so I'm going to assign you uh, who you're going to cover. And I was like, 
please let me have Harold Washington. Please let me have Harold Washington. And he gave Laura Washington the Harold Washington beat, okay? And he, Willie Cole, my, my old friend Willie Cole, got the uh, Jane Byrne beat. And I got stuck with Richie Daly. And let me... Oh, God. Oh, my... It was, it was, he, he had you at hello. <laughs> Monroe, man, Laura would come in. And Laura Washington, she'd be bragging. Oh, my God, it was so much fun. And, oh, my God, it was Shirley Chisholm. And, oh, my God, and I'm like going to these old meetings, all these white guys hanging around. Ugh. I'm like, God, can I, man? I'm stuck on that Richie Daly. And they all hated me, Richie Daly. They didn't trust me. You know what I'm saying? So. Oh, yeah, of course not. Of course not. <laughs> Who is this guy? Uh, so, anyway, so you didn't get your – to cover it, and I got to cover daily, so we both. Got well, I, I I got to cover it um, for the general. I oh, didn't get okay. To cover for the primary, but the, the problem the Tribune faced at that time was because I I I, I had this scoop of, um, above the full headline, banner headline, right across the paper on the Monday um, before he announced that he was going to be in the race. Mm -hmm. And then on the inside, I had the, the op-ed page column uh, talking about the next mayor of Chicago would be black. So once all that came into place, I was on um, on a TV and radio pro pro program being interviewed. I'd, I'd be on, um, on, on, the, um, on the Chicago Weekend Review I was interviewed by, by radio stations, various radio stations. I was the authority. So I was every place but in my own newspaper talking about the mayor's race. All right. Throughout the primary. So looking back, and in, yes. in, uh, I have to ask you this question. Yeah. When you think about how they uh, treated you and how yeah. they uh, assigned people to cover the race, uh, and right. how they reacted to your comments on the Today Show. Yeah. Um, and how would you describe that, Monroe? Is it racism, bigotry, prejudice, ignorance, all of the above? What, what, wasn't, wasn't ignorance. <laughs> and and um, I had loved to be a little more discriminate and in describing racism or calling racism for what it was. Mm -hmm. And so instead of just saying it was racist, I said it was racially insensitive. All right. Um, okay, that's uh, a euphemistic way of dealing with it. But right. I mean, right. I, got, I, I can't stand a judgment of you. You're, you're pretty much all alone. There's not like a whole bunch of black employees at the Tribune. And this is what Leonina McClain got at. Like some of the essays that she wrote back in the right. early 80s expressing her, how do you, how can I say this? Like her uh, horror at like what, the indifference uh, of, to put it mildly, of her white colleagues to what she and other black people in the city of Chicago were undergoing. That that was kind of a, a main theme, wouldn't you say, Monroe, in some of her essays? Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. And and she was one, 
she and Clarence were their 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 favorites. Then they're all among the black reporters. Period, and that was it. Um, in fact, Jim Squire, I I would later have it wasn't thin. It was I, I would later have a knockdown dragout conversation with Jim Squire, the editor, because he was quoted in Time magazine saying that there were only two types of blacks in the newsroom: uh, the, the superstars or the um, affirmative action. Now, that may have been an exact quote, but that was basically what he said. The gist of it. Yeah, the gist of it. And it, the, the superstars were Clarence and, and Leonita. And so, I mean, the rest of us were there because of, of affirmative action. Yeah. Um, and I went in and confronted him with it. Basically, he told him it was racially insensitive. And, you know, and, and I told him, I said, you know, I feel like um, I'm all dressed up with no place to go. And so he, he, he said, well, no, he's, you know, he's talking around. I said, look, and this was true at the time, that I have more awards for reporting than all but about five or six reporters on the newspaper. And he told me, well, that didn't matter. Awards didn't matter. So any any point I made as to why I should be getting better treatment than I was getting at, at, at the newspaper didn't come in the thing. Yeah. And finally what he says to me is, Oh, do you do you do you think you'd be doing better here if you were white? And I looked at him and laughed and said, Of course. And he says to me, "Oh, I see. What, I see what your problem is. You got an ego problem." Wow. Um, I mean, oh, I, yeah. No, the reason. Okay, because all that stuff now is so long ago. It mixes. At the time, I'd gone in. This is when I'd gone in to, to ask about being a columnist, telling him I wanted to write a column. Yeah. And he's giving me the, the reasons why uh, this wasn't going to happen. I think a better response when he asked you, uh, do you think you'd be better off if you were white, would have been along the lines of, duh. That would have been a better response. Right, exactly. uh, it, yeah, right. This, pre, this, pre, this predated the Simpsons. <laughs> <laughs> duh. <laughs> duh. Oh, there's a oh, rocket oh, science Homer moment. Oh, oh, right, exactly. <laughs> Homer, Homer wasn't a common statement. His, 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 his response wasn't common then. But... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, but I, it was, you know, it, it was an interesting time. Well, this was uh, this is an old story with uh, black journalists and mainstream newspapers in the city of Chicago. Lou Palmer, the legendary Lou Palmer, uh, walked away from the right. Chicago Daily News back in the 70s. Right, uh, right. And uh, he was a giant in Chicago journalism, in my humble opinion. And yeah, really they messed great with guy. his He they was a very good copy. writer, and, and they messed with his copy. Yeah. Big time. Plus, just a real gentleman, Lou Palmer. Always just treated people yeah. with respect. He's like John McDermott, right. one of the good people in Chicago. All right. right. Uh, anyway, so Monroe was a troublemaker with a capital T. And since we're talking about institutional racism, bigotry, or institutional racial insensitivity, I got to ask you this. You're a Bear fan. I just wrote a column about this. I, it, it's obvious to me that the Bears have, and I'm being uh, euphemistic here, an issue with black quarterbacks. Oh, yes, 
uh, and uh, it's just an issue. They will sign absolutely any white guy to play quarterback, bypassing far superior talent if they happen to be black. Right. That's just the record. Right. That's just the record, Monroe. Right. 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 Because the Bears' ownership and leadership are classical Chicagoans. <laughs> what do you mean by That's that? Another word. Yeah, another way of saying <laughs> racially insensitive. Right, exactly. Well, you know, what got me thinking about it, because I was watching the quick retreat that Drew Brees uh, did on the issue of whether taking a knee during a national anthem was an insult to the flag, which was the standard right. line that the NFL leaders had used to justify, uh, you know, quashing that movement. All right, well, you're, you're insulting the flag and the veterans. Uh, right. And, and now, of course, nobody... You, you, you know, Drew Brees had to do a quick reversal. Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean that. I'll be better. Blah blah blah. Uh, this well, is... that's because the players started speaking up. Yes, and and his, his black player. You know, what is the league? Sixty percent black, seventy percent black. Something like that. Yeah. Oh, yes, overwhelmingly. Yeah. Uh, and um, the, the um, Collins protest taking the knee was about white cops killing black men. It wasn't about the flag. They got turned into the flag, of course, because the military um, pays the NFL big money to have a national anthem and all this patriotism stuff so they can get um, dumb, uh, dumb young white men to join the services and go fight crazy wars, in my opinion. Mm. You don't even have to do the disclaimer. I'll take it on my own. <laughs> the views and opinions of Monroe Anderson. Right. <laughs> right. By the way, it's not just white men, though, who sign up. A lot of black men sign up, too, for the military. Not a lot. Not anymore. I, I did a column. What, what's the percentage? Do you know? I, I don't know. But um, they, weren't, they quit signing up. I mean... It, it's not that no black person signs up, but the numbers are dramatically less at, um, because of the Vietnam War. And the racism, it wasn't racial insensitivity back then. It was racial. The Vietnam War, one of the practices they had was they put black soldiers on the point. Just, just automatically. When they were on field patrol, you, you know what the point is. Yes. Why don't you yeah. tell? Okay. You're right at the front, at the point. Right. Right. You're, you're at the point. Face to face. The, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So when you go into enemy territory and they're in bushes and foxholes or whatever, wherever they were hiding, you were more than likely to be the first person shot. By the way, I'm. I'm not. Uh, this is. A topic we'll probably talk about next week, but Spike Lee's about to uh, come out with a new movie about uh, black. Yeah, his movie is uh, yeah, the Five Bros. Yeah, and uh, so that'll be your homework assignment for uh, Friday to watch, and we can discuss uh, next week. Maybe bring our good friend Milo in to talk about it as well. Uh, Another son of Gary. Uh, Yeah, so you were in total agreement about the Bears, and what what made me think about it was when I watched Drew Brees's. quick 180 i just thought that for like 30 years the most prominent loudest brashest voice of any sportsman in chicago on the issue of politics was mike ditka and mike ditka is so far to the right he's well he's a trump 
Republican. And uh, I, I've just Richard, thought, Richard, you know, Richard Dent once told me. Because I was asking him about Dick, because uh, that's my perception of him. And it was that he was like to the right. And, and Richard did said to me, well, he's got a lot of red, red on his neck. <laughs> and that's an exact quote. Yeah. <laughs> Richard Dent, of Dick, course. Dick has a, yeah, Dick, he said Dick has got a lot of red on yeah. his neck. Mike Ditka just unapologetically said whatever was on his mind, no matter what, let the chips fall where they may. And he never, uh, he was uh, he, uh, very successful with uh, endorsements, never lost an endorsement, had, was on TV and radio. And it was just a different era. And it was just not that long ago, Monroe. We've uh, entered a new time. All right, let's get to this hall, the current issue. You mentioned police, defunding the police, the defund the police movement. You talked about that. Um, I'm going to ask you about this in two ways. Okay. First, I'm going to ask you uh, as the former press spokesperson for Mayor Eugene Sawyer, and then I'm going to ask you as Monroe Anderson, private citizen, uh, born and raised in Gary, Indiana, uh, black man in America in 2020. So as the press secretary to a mayor, how would you yeah. have reacted to a defund the police movement? I I would have I, I would have um, been semantical. I would use semantic. Uh, we do not we we do not want to defund the police department. We want to reform the police repart, department by um, redistributing the funds that we have, um, a, a larger proportion to uh, uh, social and community groups. As, a, as, a, as Monroe Anderson, the troublemaker, <laughs> if you like to call me, yeah. I, I, I basically have the same argument. I mean, there, you can stop and think about it. Why should cops be um, throwing homeless people off the streets or into jail? Why should they be um, picked, uh, arresting people for not wearing face masks? I mean, they're you know we 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 given why why should they be responding to um, crazy people for having a, a, a mentally disturbed people having a, a psychological episode? There are people professionals who are much better trained at doing that. Cops aren't trained for that. You know, it's, cops are basically um, the old hammer and the nail. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if, if you got a hammer on it, uh, everything you look at, uh, everything you see looks like a nail to you if you only have a hammer or you use a hammer on mm-hmm. it. But they are armed and dangerous. And that's how they respond to things. And so, and, go ahead. Yeah, and and and, and so they, and, and and what's the other problem with the police force is that it has been militarized. It's always been militarized, but it's even more militarized now. And um, when I first got here in the seventies, uh, the police, the Chicago police force, was uh, an occupying army on the south and west side, and nothing has changed over the years to any great extent. 
And so they're, you know, if you're being occupied by the army, um, you don't you don't cooperate with them when they need information from you. Because while the killers or the troublemakers in your community are just that, um, this occupying army is not any better. Um, all right, Monroe, we haven't had a conversation about Trump in two weeks. Uh, we were off last week. And uh, uh, your favorite president was... Uh, how do I put this? Was out of his mind as he's usual. Off the, he's off the chain. <laughs> the thing is, he's losing, and he's losing it yes. because he's losing. Yes. And uh, yeah, I mean, the thing ahead. is, he can't lie and spin his way out of all this stuff that's going on now. You know, now if you recall, weeks ago, maybe even months ago, whenever the pandemic happened. I told you this was going to be the end of him because he can talk about hoaxes. He can talk about fake news. No matter how he tries to spin it, the reality is going to be there's going to be people getting sick and dying across the country in their particular hometown. And the local media is going to be covering it. And so Trump could say it was a hoax, but then the local media says, um, John Doe down the street just died from from COVID nineteen, or or their cousin or somebody. It's because it is a pandemic. You cannot you cannot just lie it away. But he's he's tried to do it. In fact, he's got to a point now where he's just basically ignoring it. Then you know it doesn't exist. Get back to work so we can get the economy back in good shape. So I can run on that because that's the only thing I have to run on right now. And his and uh, not working, and the polls and the polls are showing. I mean, he's at thirty nine percent job approval today. Thirty nine. You don't get reelected with thirty nine percent job approval. Uh, and, and the other problem he has. Okay, let me do let me finish this. The other problem he has, which is making him frantic, is. There are some unsealed indictments waiting on him not to be president. And Biden has said that he, if he becomes president, he is not going to pardon Trump. So this time next year, Trump could be looking at some some, some serious jail time. Uh, and uh, are you... As a, a, a older person like me uh, who remembers the 60s and 70s, do you have any worry yeah. of the so-called backlash effect uh, that no. prevailed no. in 68? Go ahead. No, 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 no. This is the difference. In 68, it was a black-white thing. Now, this 68 was black power. Uh, and, and, of course, the anti-war thing, which was um, hippies and... and and um, communism, et cetera, according to the, the right. This time, things have so dramatically changed and, um, that it's, um, if, if you look at these, this incredible protest that's been going on about George Floyd, it's been very integrated. And in some, some, there, were, there have been protest marches 
350 cities in the U.S. across the country. Many of those cities, there are, there are barely any blacks there. Uh, so it's had the, the, the George um, Floyd murder has had the same impact on the country as the uh, Birmingham bombing or the hoses and dogs on the, on the, on the Cecil marchers. And it, it's awakened regular Americans who don't pay much attention to the news, um, to how, how things really are. And so there will be some white backlash, but not much. So, you know, Trump is just done. Stick a fork in him. I don't care how you look at it. You know, he's just done it. One, one of the reasons um, Biden is so appealing to a lot of American voters, to the majority of American voters, is because he's boring. <laughs> He sure that's what, is. That's what, right. That's, that's what America wants right now. They've, they've had way too much excitement for the last three and a half years. <laughs> so they're overloaded with excitement. So they just want to, some, they want to get back to the good old days when Obama wearing a tan suit was a scandal. All right. Well, I know uh, if Joe Biden wins, and I'm hoping he does win, because yeah. I really do, yeah. as much as Monroe, want uh, Trump out of office. Uh, I, I, I hope the Dems do not make the same mistake, and I keep saying this over and over again, that they made with Obama, fall asleep. Democrats fall asleep, and they let the Republicans get the advantage. They did that in 2009 and 10. That's why the Tea Party took control. We're still fighting the effects of that right now. So I hope right. Dems are a little smarter. But the Black Lives, Ma Black Lives Matter movement is the new, new Tea Party movement. And it's much, it's much larger and, um, and much more um, sophisticated this mm -hmm. time with these young black people that are doing this. And they've formed um, um, coalitions, which is very smart. So it's not just black, black, young black kids, but it's young white kids, it's young Hispanic kids, young Asian kids. Yeah. And a few of us old folks, too. <laughs> a few old folks. And, and, you know, yeah, right. Exactly, <laughs> a few of us. Right. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah, right. And so, no, this is this is a serious move. Yeah. I mean, when, when you when you have um, some NASCAR driver just had his car uh, stenciled with Black Lives Matter. Yeah. Some, some, I don't know the NASCAR driver, but his first name is Bubba. So... <laughs> I have a sneaking suspicion that he might not be black. Um, I actually think you may be wrong in that one. Okay. Uh, I, may be. I, I know you're not a huge uh, uh, NASCAR no. fan, but you talk about Bubba Wallace? I don't know. Okay. I just saw it and I forgot his name. I didn't know who he was. Uh, it might be Bubba. But the point is, okay, okay, let me do it this way. Yeah. The um, we just got We just got the first black person in charge of a military branch. Mm -hmm. the, the, the general of the, the guy in charge of the Air Force is black. And he's been talking about the racism he had to face before he's in uh, this very prestigious position and powerful position. In the old days, when I was a younger man, the first anything black 
was very careful not to offend the white people. To act like, okay, their whole whole approach to it was, well, um, I'm exceptional and I got here because of my skills and my persistence and hard work, et cetera. And would never, ever mention racism. Now you have people openly talking about it all the time. I mean, you, you, have, you, you had the NFL um, do it under an 80-degree yeah. term. You, um, you, you have people who are discussing race now for the first time. We're just, it's just an era, it's a, a different era. You know, it, it's sort of like what, what happened with gay marriages. You know, where it was, it was, it was, it was, it was, it was um, the thing not to do. And then suddenly the bubble burst, as the, 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 the gates burst, and it just flooded out. Yeah, and I all right. think that's happening now. I don't I, know. I mean, we still have to wait. But we I, have to I, wait. I've never seen, I've never seen anything like yeah. this before in America. Uh, me neither, but there are still, no, I, I'm with you. Uh like I said in my column, that 180 that the NFL did was so significant because the right. NFL, the National Football League, they're, 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 they walk a narrow line. They do not want to lose their MAGA hat wearing audience by uh, right. being too black. Uh, at the same right. time, they realize they don't want to uh, force the, they're really always worried about the Colin Kaepernick troublemakers the Monroe Anderson troublemakers getting a foothold. You know what I'm saying, Monroe? So they're always trying to navigate, negotiate that way. And all of a sudden, they they still won't give Colin Kaepernick a tryout, by the way. They won't go that far. Yeah, right now. But the players are are, are pushing them on that. All right. Now, I want to go. I want to talk about uh, that element of this country that still loves, still wears the MAGA. Uh, as Trump yeah. says, they are MAGA. Remember, he he said that's what they are, MAGA. He just calls them MAGA. And that's the, right. pe- the people. And we'll close with this one. This one had me shaking my head. I don't know if you saw this. Uh, follow me in this. Jeb Bush has a son, George P. Bush, uh, yeah. who is some kind of elected official in Texas, a corporate right. lawyer, and he has ambitions to be governor. All right. right. So as we all know, Donald Trump has dogged uh, Jeb Bush and the Bush family, uh, ever since he emerged as a powerhouse in the Republican Party in 2015. Made fun of Jeb, made fun of George, made fun of Papa and Barbara Bush, et cetera, and so forth. Uh, And now uh, Baby Bush, Baby Baby Bush, wants to be governor. He sent out a tweet, something along the lines that saying, President Trump is the only thing standing between America and socialism, which is one of the most nonsensical tweets uh, I've ever heard ever. We, I could break that down. Right. Another. I would actually say Donald Trump has done more uh, in his own uh, primitive way to advance the cause of socialism than anyone else. But let's put that aside right. for the moment. Uh, right. This shows you the grip, Monroe, that Trump still has over the MAGA hat crowd. George P. Bush cannot advance his career as a Republican politician in the state of Texas without paying allegiance to Donald John Trump. He has to kiss up to Donald John Trump, even if Donald Trump has trashed his family. Do you see how deep it is in the psyche of Republicans? Uh, you, you may be right on that. 
been, or I have another theory. What is that? George H.W. Bush was a very bright guy. His son, George W. Bush, was not very bright. It could be that George P. Bush is a total dumbass. <laughs> it has nothing to do with politics or anything. He doesn't do it. <laughs> you thought my daddy was stupid. Wait till you get a load of me. <laughs> You know, you may have a point there, Monroe. I hadn't thought of that. The devolution of the Bush family. Right, exactly, right. I hadn't thought of that. It could happen, you know, it right, happen. exactly. I know in uh, the Anderson family, like the Jarofsky family, the kids are smarter than the daddies, okay? I'll just say that. You yeah, agree. right, right. Your kids are right. super smart, and my kids are super Well, you and me, we're maybe in a different boat, but maybe it goes differently in the Bush family. Well, the, well, we know that Daddy Bush was way smarter than than, than George George W. W. Yeah. In fact, in fact, Deb is supposedly the smart one in the family, but the Daddy and Mama Bush said of W that um, he was adequate and intelligent. Yeah. That they knew he wasn't very bright. But he was charming, of course. And the reason the Republicans picked him is because um, the women thought he was cute. The Republican women thought he was cute. Oh, my goodness. The American Electric 2000 election. I'm trying to, still trying to put that one out of my mind. I remember when uh, W went on Oprah's show and uh, she humanized him. Uh, I saw him quite got over that one. Just like when um, yeah. Trump went well, on Jimmy oh, Fallon's show. Oh, Oprah did a lot of good, but she did a lot of harm, too. <laughs> and that particular case uh, is very right. much the case. All right, Monroe, we got to get out of here. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, as always, stay safe. We'll be talking to you next week. Probably talk about Spike Lee's movie. That will be a requirement for you to watch it. Me, too. And we, okay, can, okay. we can talk about okay, that. You're going to give me this the 19 bucks that's going to cost to watch it? Uh, I would, except I think in this case it's on Netflix. So even you get to watch. Do you have Netflix, don't you? Yeah. All right. Netflix charges stuff unless it's a Netflix-made movie. Uh, unless it's one of their productions. I you know, because that's the thing, is because the movies can't, can't be in the theaters right now, mm-hmm. those that are going straight to TV, initially they're charging you Nineteen ninety five to watch a movie. I will bet you this: you don't have to pay, but if you do, I'll pay for it. I'll, uh, I'll pay. I'll, I'll pick up the tab. I Monroe Anderson getting him to watch a movie, man. We this is an old story. Pay to pay to watch a movie. We're Sergio when I need him. <laughs> it's one of our favorite topics. All right, Monroe, stay safe. I'll talk to you next. All right, week, right? okay. All right. That's the great Monroe Anderson, a legend in Chicago journalism. You got any updates for us, D? Uh, yeah, we got one here. And boy, I wish we would have read this update before we talked about it an hour ago. The following comes from the Chicago Sun-Times and the one and only Fran the Woe Man Spielman. Mayor Lori Lightfoot today accused Alderman Ray Lopez of the 15th Ward of illegally taping her May 31st phone call with Alderman upset about looting and mayhem in their wards and leaking the part that included a profane exchange between them. The audio we just played an hour ago. Wow. 
The mayor never mentioned Lopez by name, but her comments made it clear he was the one being accused. Lopez, Lightfoot's most outspoken critic, well, you can say that again, on the city council denied the accusation. It started when Lightfoot was asked whether she regretted using profanity during the call, which the Chicago Sun-Times first disclosed on June 1st. A tape of the conference. <laughs> they did. You got to give the bright one credit. They had the story, D. <laughs> Making sure you don't forget that, man. Yeah, all right. Well, the Sun Times broke that story. A tape of the conversation has since been widely circulated on social media. Yeah, and on the Ben Jarofsky show. <laughs> this is a question that I have. I think you're 100% full of is what I think. If you think we want to fight this, who are you to tell me I'm full of If you think. Once again, that is not call waiting. <laughs> Peeps, I love oh, You better not hear that word. By the way, the, there was a cop that was, uh, I know I'm interrupting you, but did you see the story that there was a police officer who was suspended or something, taken off of active duty for get, flipping the bird uh, at, at protesters? Oh, yeah. And yeah. Colin Boyle, who was on this show, was the one who released that, I think, on his social media anyway. Uh, but when, when the TV cameras put the picture of the cop flipping the bird, I'm not making this up. The guy was flipping the bird, so he's doing this. All right, see this, D? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, and uh, well, we have a picture of you doing it on our Instagram page. They, I'm like, they blurred out the finger. <laughs> like what? How is that? Like, I'm sorry, we're not going to show you the extended middle finger. I'm like, they blurred it out. Like, what? What are you protecting people? F- anyway, sorry, a little tangent. Wow, Go ahead, tangent D. there. All right. <laughs> Uh, no, that, that was it. Uh, Lightfoot is uh, a little upset that this uh, audio is being leaked here. Oh, well, whatever. You know, you're mayor city of Chicago. <laughs> you got bigger problems than Raylo. I'm just saying that right now. Hey, we're going to jump off here pretty shortly, but we're still going to do an interview, and we're going to post that interview at 7 o'clock tonight. Ben's going to be talking about his favorite thing. Well, besides avocado sandwiches the chicago bulls with joe collie of the chicago sun times ben what are you going to be talking Jay. about with mr collie oh the future of the chicago bull we'll talk about what the bulls reaction uh to the black lives movement about uh, black lives matter movement and uh you know they've new they're probably going to get a new coach hey maybe they'll actually hire a black man wouldn't that, wouldn't that be extraordinary uh the chicago bulls so lots to talk about with joe collie All right, everybody, that's going to be available at 7 o'clock tonight, both Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Reader websites and wherever else you download podcasts. Be sure to check out the extreme archive of Ben Jarofsky's show content. Go check that out as well. Find us on social media at Benny J Show, B-E-N-N-Y, the letter J Show. Shout out to Pat Whalen. You're the man. And find us, uh, you can email us, BennyJShow at gmail.com, B-E-N-N-Y, the letter J Show. And yes, we have a phone number. Doogie wanted me to remind everybody, you can call the Ben Jarofsky Show and leave us a voicemail. I know, it's pretty cool. The phone number, 708-658-4788. That's correct. That number again, <laughs> 708-658-4788. Excellent. We got phone. Man, we got Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. You know, social media. We're just millennials. That's what we are. All right. Uh, thank you, Monroe Anderson, for doing a great job. And, of course, thank the man, the myth, the legend, the pride and joy of Alton, Illinois. Without whom, we could not do this show. And as everybody knows, as Monroe Anderson will tell you, as the Chicago Bears will tell you, as the Chicago Bulls will tell you, back home in Alton, they call him Dennis. <laughs> All right. Hear that, B-E-Z? Hire me. And they also call him D-Nice. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> Give yourself a raise. Take it out of petty cash. See you tomorrow, everybody. For the record, I'm not a perfect person. Nearly a thousand miles. Let's begin with phase one. That's correct. Yodeling.